AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Early selling in the soybean and meal markets turned into more selling late in the session and spillover pressure on corn and wheat futures. It was a tough all-around day for the grain markets. Livestock futures recovered from mid-morning losses to trade mostly higher. Even lean hog futures found a way to avoid a third consecutive lower close. Live from the hottest day I can ever remember via Farm ah, Journal broadcast, ah. this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, it's a conversation with Craig Turner from Stonex and the Grains and Oil Seeds uh, podcast with Craig Turner podcast. I think I said that right. Directly following the news, Todd Bubba Horowitz from BubbaTrading.com. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis, the memory bank has been frozen, huh? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. No. Yeah, so this is the hottest day that you can remember? Ever, ever. Oh, that's terrible. This may be the hottest day on record anywhere ever. That is that is a terribly limited. I remember last summer when it was hot and mm-hmm. it was sunny and mm-hmm. it was, and you know I complained about it then. Um, mm. Not complaining about it so much right now. Yeah, yeah. So you're taking the blame for all of this, Chip? I don't. No, I mean, we appreciate no. that, but no, I don't I'm think not going to take, take the blame for the anything. Blame. You can't take all the blame. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, he's blamed stackler for some of it (laughs) sounds good to me sounds good to me yeah no i remember that 120 some degrees that feel like yeah um and i saw oh i can't let's see the the des moines iowa saw the widest and this is on feel like temperatures so heat index and wind chill but it's the biggest temperature discrepancy in a 12-month period ever recorded. Wow. Wow. Yeah, like 129 on the upside. Yeah. And I think it was like 45 below, something like that, this Dude, weekend. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Gosh, if if we could have only been warned that this would be a period of extreme weather yeah. events. If only we'd prepared in some If only way. we had known. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, mm. I predict the fountains will be running at about any time here in Kansas City. It's 32 degrees. I mean, those 32? puppies will thaw. Those puppies will thaw. You know what I mean? Holy smokes. I'm going to put 15. my fountain pants on. Yeah, we're, we're fountaining. It's 15 up here. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's All right, buddy. Let's get to the news. <laughs> Wheat futures. They gave up mid-morning gains to close steady to moderately lower March soft red winter wheat futures posted an inside trading day with a low range opened and a close just slightly above the opening range. March hard red winter wheat futures extended the price slide with a close below support at the November 28 low of 595 chip. Concern over condition of the winter wheat crop after recent cold temperatures should limit selling interest, but that's being offset by Ukraine's ability to continue to find a corridor to move grain out of the country. March HRW wheat futures seven and one half cents lower today, five ninety four. March SRW wheat up a half penny to five eighty two and a half. 
March spring wheat closed at 680 and one quarter chip. That's down 10 and a half today. Hard red winter wheat futures under six bucks. If that doesn't generate some buying interest from importers, then I don't know what sub $6 is telling us anymore. We'll talk to Craig about that. March corn futures opened to slightly higher, fell to post a new contract low at 440, then rallied to mid-morning gains on corrective short covering. That strength was short-lived with prices falling back to close below the opening range. There's less rain in the forecast for Argentina, but crop stress is expected to be minimal over the next 10 days. Traders were also disappointed by the lack of a daily export sale announcement after a sale was reported to Mexico on Tuesday. There is speculation that Brazil's corn crop will be smaller, too much smaller than estimated by USDA on Friday, but most agree that adjustment will likely come later this yeah. winter. March corn futures one and one quarter cents lower, 442 and a quarter. May corn down a penny and a half, 453 and three quarters. July corn futures closed at 462 and a half, down one and one half cents. Yeah, we're, we're not surprised uh, USDA kind of waiting, uh, yeah. fading these numbers here. Yeah, absolutely. It's part of the conversation that I've had with a few people today is it's just not the right time of the year right. to make those adjustments to the Brazilian corn crop. Well, soybean meal futures led the price slide in the soy complex, but soybeans were a willing follower. Generally good growing conditions in Argentina and the likelihood that Argentina will move to recapture lost soybean meal exports yep. weighed on meal prices today. Rains are expected to be timely for later developing beans. That added pressure to soybean prices. Soybean oil prices traded higher throughout the session as spreaders unwound long meal short oil spreads. March beans opened steady and near session highs fell to close on session lows. March beans still have support at Friday's low of 12.03, Chip. Yeah. March beans, 21 and one-half cents lower today, 12.05 and three quarters. May beans down 20 and one quarter, 12.18 and a quarter. July beans closed at 12.28 and one quarter. That's down 18 and a half, Chip. Building downside momentum, no question about that, in the beans and the meal. Well, March cotton was 37 points higher, 81.70. On your livestock's heavyweight choice graded box to be followed yesterday's solid advance by jumping nearly three bucks in morning trade. That helped fed cattle futures erase mid-morning losses. Feb fat cattle down two and a half cents, 173.10. April futures up 45, 175.62 and a half. March feeders up 95 cents, 229.77 and one half. And on the snout side, February lean hog futures 67 and one half cents higher today, 71.45. April hogs up. 40 cents to 77.97 and one half chip. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this cattle market right now, Davis, <clears throat> we, we talk about the corn market searching for a low. We talk about the bean market, wheat markets mm -hmm. searching mm -hmm. for a low. And then you take a look at the way that this cattle market is trading and the box beef market in particular. And it, it feels it it feels like it's found a low. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It uh and if we found a low in the box beef already, then it, it feels like a market because of some weather premium that we need to account for, uh and and some other issues in this cattle trade, mm -hmm. it feels like maybe, maybe the cattle market has found the way. Remember what Varlick said? Mm. Uh, Scott Varlick from KKV Trading said that uh, the feeders are going to have to lead the way to the upside. We'll look at the That's way right. that that market performed today. March contract up almost a buck, bumped right up against resistance at 230.
and mm-hmm. could not get through it. So we've got enough time. Let's go ahead and jump to. Let's get him. Yep. Yeah, let's get him. Todd Horowitz, BubbaTrading.com. How you doing, Bubba? What's up, fellas? Another depressing day on the streets. Yeah. He tried to rally, failed. <laughs> I- I- exactly. Um, what do you make of it all? Well, I mean, I, I think that we're just in a condition that right now that investors still believe that they're, the Fed's going to cut rates, which I, by the news that's been coming out, I don't think they are. I think that we're spoiled, and, and it's been too easy for the, for the bulls of the stock market and too easy for the bears of the grain markets, and I think that that will soon reverse when, I can't say for sure, but certainly uh, the prices are now are getting to a very bad point, especially going into a planting season as well. So I think this is... Uh, about to turn, but again, the markets never make a big announcement. They just turn, and I think that one day we're going to walk in and they're just going to turn. Yeah, yeah, it, and uh, the thing is, they'll probably turn even before the export demand shows up, or yeah, hundred percent. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. Good stuff, Bubba. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, brother. Yeah, that's T- Todd Horwitz, BubbaTrading.com. Craig Turner from the Stonex Group is next, right here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. You're listening to AgriTalk, where the conversation begins. Join us at 855-4-TALK-AG. All right, welcome back to AgriTalk. Man, I'm looking forward to this conversation with Greg Turner from the Stonex Group. He is also the host of the Grains and Oil Seeds with Craig Turner podcast. He joins us right now. How you doing, Craig? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I always love coming on the show. Yep, glad you're here. It's only the 17th of the month. I think we can still say Happy New Year. Happy New Year, for sure. (laughs) Okay, man. Um, One of the reasons I love having you on, Craig, is is, uh, uh, not quite often you've got something in the grain markets that you're looking at just a little bit differently than, than I am at, at any given time. And I tell you, you're you're hitting it right out the, right at the start of the list of, of things that you wanted to talk about when, when we talk about the macro markets and um, they're a headwind for the, for the grain markets right now. And, 
And the dollar is part of the reason why there is how you see it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, everyone, you know, the dollar was selling off pretty good there for a while as everyone was expecting the Fed to uh, eventually lower interest rates. And we were kind of on pace and we saw the, the dollar index sell all the way down to 100. And then we got a surprise in the CPI last month, right? It was point, you know, it went from 0.2 to 0.3 from the month to month. And then from last year, the producer CPI was, I think, 0.3.4, and they're looking for 3.2. And that is enough to give the Fed enough pause to not cut rates in the first quarter, right? And I think what Wall Street was kind of hoping for is if we're going to get three rate cuts in 2024, we'd get it in maybe at the very end of Q1 or right in the beginning of Q2. And, you know, that is not so much the, the case now with the with the inflation just ticking up a little bit. So, yeah. It's not the end of the world, but it's enough for the dollar to reverse now bullish and stocks to come start coming down. Okay. So yeah. these interest rate cuts, and, and it's one of the things that, you know, what whether you like it or not, the Fed and the Fed decision-making and the policies, the monetary policy that they are going to put forth in 2024, are, it's going to have an impact on the markets on the grain markets in 2024. That's a fair statement, right? I think so. It has to do with growth and the, I mean, the Fed's yeah. number, Fed, yeah, Fed has two mandates. It's employment and it's inflation and employment in their eyes is fine. So they're going to keep on fighting inflation. And yeah. if it's still a little bit higher, they're not going to, you know, lower rates yet. And that is, you know, the whole point of higher interest rates is to slow down inflation. And to do yeah. that, you got to slow down demand, which means you slow down growth. I mean, that's the but, only but the, the only tool they have. But the whole reason for lower interest rates is to stimulate the economy. Therefore, the you know, the people that are saying one or two interest rate cuts in 2024, I can go along with that. But mm -hmm. if they're talking about three, four, five interest rate cuts in 2024, those people got to be anticipating a really crappy economy here in the U.S. in the year ahead, right? I think I think you're right about when you get to four, five, six. I think most people are looking for. I think the neutral the neutral projection would be two, the bearish okay. pro projection would be one, and the bullish projection would be three. I think it gets un unrealistic, you know, yeah. after after three unless you do you're right unless you think it's there's going to be some kind of crash but you know based on the last the fed had been saying two for you know at the end of 2023 and then the last december meeting i mean listen they're professionals and wall street analysts they yeah. try to read between the tea you know the lines and the tea leaves and you know then some were thinking well maybe three right if inflation keeps on going down and listen if that cpi number had gone towards three instead of 3.4, you know, from 3.2 year over year. Yep. Maybe those people talking the three rate cuts by the yep. end of 2024 are right, but that's probably not the case now. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I've been arguing here over the past few weeks, Craig, is as the talk about lower interest rates and interest rate cuts has been building up is that interest rate cuts are not a reward for, you know, for, for slowing inflation. They're intended mm -hmm. to stimulate economic activity. So unless the economy d needs uh, that stimulation, then there, 
there's no reason to cut rates. And boy, I'd, you know, I'm, I guess I'd call myself in that one, maybe two rate cuts in 2024 is kind of where I'm sitting, but Hey, lot, uh, there's, there's a reason that I'm not on the fed board of governors too. I would guess. No, I mean, I think, you know, I, I think most people out there, depending on, you know, their take and their interpretation is going to be somewhere between one and three, right. With okay. probably the average coming down around two. And okay. you're absolutely right. It's the, reducing rates is not a reward for, um, you know, economic growth and are doing well. I mean, what the Fed wants to see is real interest rates being positive. So if you know, the inflation rates 3%, they're going to want to have interest rates at 5%. So there's a 2% real, you yeah. know, real interest rate, right? That's what they want. They want that 2% buffer now between the Fed rate and what inflation is. So if inflation does come back to 2%, which is their target, it only means that they're, they're going to probably only reduce uh, the interest rate from, you know, five and change to maybe, you know, the low fours or four. So we're not going back to one or 2% right. on the interest rates. Right. Right. I'm with yeah. you there. I am yeah. with you there. Okay. Uh, what else is happening at the global economy that's got your attention? Well, you know, there's, listen, there's the stock, Chinese stock market today made a five-year low. Um, you know, they have, they had another bank fail, you know, about 10 days ago. Um, you know, their their manufacturing numbers um, have, you know, that came out, I think it was last night, were below expectations and they were expecting to be bearish to begin with. So between that and a declining population, you know, and the population's getting older, there's a lot of cracks there in Chinese demand. I was at a couple of, you know, we travel, grain brokers travel a lot during this time of year. Mm -hmm. um, you go to different shows and I was talking to one of the lobbyists, you know, part of the, the U.S., you know, dairy organization. And yeah. they were concerned that imports, you know, if China importing dairy and meat were down 10 to 15 percent, you know, for the past couple of months. So there's definitely some cracks there and maybe, you know, other parts of the world pick up that growth. But I mean, for 30 years now, China has been the growth of the commodity markets and the emerging markets. And, you know, that, you know, definitely the old days of eight to 12 percent, 10 percent growth are probably gone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what, what is a more mature, uh, developed Chinese economy look like? And it may not be that bullish as a bullish driver, like it once yeah. did for commodities. And I think the market's trying to grapple with that too. Yeah. Yeah. And when you boil all of this down and you look at money flow in these markets, uh, it kind of points, it, 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 it makes it fairly clear why the funds are on the short side of the corn and soybean and, and wheat markets right now. Yeah. So, and you know, the thing is too, is the funds will also have their balance sheets for next year. We'll get a look at them at the ag forum and, you know, brokers like myself and, you know, others, others will have them too. But when I'm looking at corn and if I say 91 million acres and a 181 yield next year with just average demand numbers, I'm over two, I'm like 2.5, 2.6 on my carryout, yeah. right? I'm almost getting the stock to usage of 18, 19%. Before 2020, before COVID, you know, that would have meant corn in the low threes, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, now if you add in 15, 20%, like real structural inflation, you pr the funds probably have a $4 or a very high three target on that. And if you, they're short about what, 220,000 contracts, their record is around 320,000 contracts. If they go max short because they're just going to believe in the, you know, the bearish picture on corn here. I mean, 
I mean, when you look at prices, you know, they could drive it down, you know, to maybe four. I think the silver lining is, you know, the old days of, you know, the 325, you know, harvest yeah. low on these futures is probably gone. But you can the funds need a reason to blow out of that position. Right. And right. one day it will come. Right. One day it will come. But they'll press their bets if they think and if, if they think we're 91 million acres or more. And considering that we did 94.6 and we were over five bucks in new crop for a long time, especially when, you know, anhydrous was going down in the fall, like, you know, we're still, we still need acres to come down, you know, yeah. three and a half million acres year over year. And we're still at a 2.6 billion carryout, And that's with a trend line yield. So, you know, it's, there's room for error to have even like 90 or 90, 89 million acres, or even be at a 177, which after this summer, and the issues that we thought we'd had, and we now get yep. this record corn. You know, it's just, that's why the funds are short the way they are. Yep. Yep. You know, the thing is, it's not that we thought we had those issues. We know we mm. had those issues. It was dry. Yes. It was hot. Yes. And we still did the 177.3. Yep. Just uh, Great point. phenomenal. Phenomenal. So, okay, we've got a lot of ground to cover yet here, Craig. Uh, we'll do that next. We're talking with Craig Turner from StoneX Group here on Agritech. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where March hard red winter wheat futures were seven and one half cents lower at five ninety four. March SRW wheat up a half penny to five eighty two and one half. March corn futures one and one quarter cents lower, four forty two and a quarter. May corn down a penny and a half to four fifty three and three quarters. March soybean futures twenty one and one half cents lower today, twelve oh five and three quarters. May soybeans down twenty and one quarter to close at twelve eighteen and one quarter. March cotton thirty seven points higher, eighty one seventy. On the livestock side, February fat cattle down two and a half cents, one seventy three ten. March feeders up 95 cents to 29.77 and one half, and February lean hogs 67 and one half cents higher to close at 71.45. Get more market news every market day. Try ProFarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. We are in the middle of a conversation with Craig Turner from the Stonex Group. Craig is 
also the host of Grains and Oil Seeds with Craig Turner podcast. Uh, Craig, where prices are versus where they should be, okay? That's always kind of a dicey line to walk and mm-hmm. and uh, 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 kind of an interesting conversation to have because it all comes back to are prices at fair value or not. But when I look at a corn stocks to use ratio of, of nearly 15%, soybeans mm-hmm. here at 6.7%, it almost feels like beans are more fairly priced than corn is right now. Yeah, you got to add in wheat to that too. So I, okay. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. We, get, you know, wheat is definitely a substitute, right, for on the feed side. And you know, with wheat being a stock to usage at 35 percent, yeah, you know, that is kind of, you know, 35 percent for all wheat is like the 10 percent line for corn and soybeans. And you know, just for the listeners out here. You know, 80 percent or 85 percent of the domestic usage of wheat in the United States is for food. Right. Mm -hmm. And around the world, a lot of wheat is used for food. It's a much more important commodity than corn and soybeans are uh, when it comes to human survival. Right. You can always cut back on the energy use. You can always cut back on the feed. Right. You can't eat the dirt. Rice and wheat are going to and, you know, maize are going to be big, big deals when they're produced for food. So when I see wheat. Honestly, the global wheat is still a little bit tight, especially in soft red winter wheat, a little bit in spring wheat, not so much in hard red winter. You know, there is this uh, and the major exporter stocks for wheat are still tight and actually going down. And we're going to have we have a long term issue now because of the Black Sea. Um, And when you right, and, you know, even though things are better and it's probably stabilized over there. There was lost production that's not coming out of the Black Sea for exports. So you have wheat sitting at six and seven dollars, depending on the class, while you know corn is in the mid to high fours. So I think I agree with you 100 percent. Then you just look at soybeans versus corn. It seems like soybeans are a little bit more fairly valued. Corn may even be a little bit overpriced. You can say if we're at that high of a yeah, stock to use yeah. level. But I personally believe Corn is being held up on the ropes by wheat you know, just because of the tightness that we're seeing around the world. And the link, if anything, the lingering legacy effects of having an actual real loss of production that's out of uh, out of Ukraine and the Black Sea. OK, uh, boy, a lot of directions we could go from there. I'm going to pick this direction. Isn't that limiting the idea that we're going to see all these acres move from corn to soybeans? In 2024. Yeah. yeah, I know. Like, uh, so if you have 91 million acres corn, you maybe have 89 million acres soybeans, 88 million acres soybeans. Yeah. Right. And if you have 88 to 89 million acres soybeans and you have a 51 to 52 yield, I mean, my carryout numbers range anywhere between, let's say, low 400s to five 500. So we're at a 10 per, you know, maybe a 9% stock to usage to 13%. So if that's the case, right, if that's the case, let's say we're around that 500 number in the stock to use for soybeans, you know, worst case scenario. Um, you know, the old days of, you know, harvest lows of 880, 870, 890, right? And then yeah. you, we used to bump up against 10 when we got to 300 
or we got to a 10% stock to use level, right? Yeah. I think now if you add on 15, 20% inflation, like real structural inflation, not the transitory kind that's solved with just more supply, um, you can make the argument those new lows are somewhere in the high nines, low tens. Like, And so if we do get there, if we do have a 88, 89 million acres and a trend line yield or better, you know, for soybeans, you know, maybe the new range, the 880 to $10 range is now a, a, a 10 to $12 range for soybeans, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have the harvest lows around 10 and those summer highs, you know, when you're concerned about production at 12, kind of, you know, and when I, when I mean like, you know, when we're approaching, like, say a, like a 300 ending stocks, right? Because okay. as soon as you get below 300, now we need some real, now, now we're talking beans in the teens. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, and I know what you mean. Yeah. Is, you know, corn, you know, and the, we saw the winter wheat seedings were down. I mean, Chicago yeah. wheat is under 7 million, which when I take a look at my balance sheets for, for the wheat, not only are we, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit, a little bit tighter than I thought we would because of the, the acres being down, mm-hmm. but Chicago wheat, when we're under 7 million acres, uh, I mean, I have the stock to usage on soft red winter wheat, just above 20% with Kansas city being almost 50. I mean, last time that happened, Chicago traded above Kansas city all year. Yeah. Now we'll see if that's how it works, but if I'm going back based on the past, that's what that's what the the new crop is telling me. Well, that's the way that spread has been coming yeah. in in a hurry, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's yeah. and it's not an anomaly. Like it is, like it should be. And yeah. if we have if if we have problems in the eastern corn belt, and let's say we you know the wheat goes you know things go well in, in the western belt in the plains, I mean that could even get sure. to extreme levels, right? So. Uh, and so it's very interesting, uh, yeah. you know, the dynamics right now in the wheat market. Yep, yep. Craig, how are end users, the physical buyers, the processors, how well are they covered on needs? And go start with corn. Okay, so it, it, what's interesting is when price, because prices have been high, so high for the past two or three years, when we broke from seven to six and then got in that five handle, the way a lot of end users set their corporate budgets um, is, you know, they have a, you know, they basically have a budget they have to come under. So when we got into the fives and low fives, there was a lot of buying, uh, you know, in in the near term, like they didn't go out, there wasn't a ton going out into like, you know, past, let's say, um, you know, the new crop months. But it, it is surprising to hear that there is a good decent amount of coverage on the corn side already. So, you know, where, I mean, the, where we could be, you know, close to 50% and the other of it is just kind of hand to mouth. So um, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, it's not like they all bought when we hit five, but yeah, they beat when they can hit budget and they can go to their CFO and say, Hey, I'm coming under budget. They're buying. Right. And that's, and that happened already. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's got one job to do. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if it was to get it bought at five bucks or better, um, yeah, his opportunities in front of him and and uh, they go ahead and pull the trigger on that. What about soybeans? Are they is, is the situation similar? Um, you know, there is, you know, for the really what we're seeing on the on the soybean side, it's it's the oil. Right. Like you don't see yeah. as much. Me- we don't see as much meal. 
I mean, I'm sure that happens a lot on the feedlots, but in terms of like manufacturing and food and beverage, right, you may see right. it a lot in the pet food, pet food industry, you know, we'll have a lot of exposure to meal. Um, but really where you see it is in soybean oil and cooking oil, you know, cooking oil, vegetable oil. And it's been the same thing. I mean, when we were in this, as soon as it hit, got under 60 and we were in the 50s for bean oil and everyone fresh in their mind having 60, 70 cent, nearly 80 cent per pound, you did see a lot of of buying here. And I think between, you know, on the on the end user side, this, you know, for you know, high forties to mid fifties is kind of a value area for them. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sure that it is for the renewable diesel refiners. Yeah. yeah they they've got to be looking at sub fifty uh fifty cent bean oil and saying, uh, they'll take as much of it as they can as they can get from that. So um, I always like doing this, and we've we've got about three minutes left here. I like doing this with you, Craig. Get out the crystal ball and and just kind of how do these markets trade? What are they going to be looking at over the next sixty days leading up to that February the the March thirty one uh, prospective plannings report? Okay, so between now and then we'll have the Ag Forum, right? And the Ag Forum we'll get the USDA's economists. And they'll probably come out with something like 89 million acres beans, 91 million acres corn will probably be in the wheat, like the all wheat number, 47 to 48 million. Um, And then when you plug and chug all that, you're going to have the funds kind of expecting corn to leak lower, wheat to be a little bit more stable. And soybeans are going to have a lot to do with South American weather. Now, I would say between now and May, if we don't get any, you know, I I would think corn is a range bound market. We could test 430 or something like that, but we could certainly go back up to 450 and 460, any kind of buying. The problem with corn right now is Argentina is going to have a record crop. And yeah. then what's going to be the real, you know, what's going to be interesting between now and March is how that second crop comes in in Brazil. Like, are they really going to, you know, the late planting of soybeans really cut into acres, you know, what that's going to going to look like. The problem the my biggest concern is soybeans. If the funds and the trade start to think that the soybean crop is, is okay. We're at a 145 million metric ton in Brazil or higher. Combine that with the record production in Argentina. And mm-hmm. South America actually has a record production year for soybeans. Yep. So, and that's, yeah. and that would be 20 million metric tons less out of Brazil. They have that kind of cushion to, yep. so, and if you see that, if we break through that 1180 area on front month soybeans, like the, we're the next major support, you got some support in the 1140 area, but, if, but the major, major support's like 1080. It's almost a dollar down. And that's concerning just from a technical perspective to see like that kind of gap, you know, in air there. Outstanding. Where do we find the podcast, Craig? Yeah, absolutely. It is grains and oil seeds with Craig Turner. You can also go to stonex.com backslash Craig Turner and find it there too. Fantastic. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you. All right. Craig Turner, Stonex Group. Uh, That gives Davis and I some things to think about and talk about. When we come back with more AgriTalk in a moment. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. And welcome to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson here, Chip Flory. Somewhere. Chip? Yeah. Chip? Summer tune. Indeed. It feels like summer. Doesn't it? Does it? Yeah. (laughs) Hottest Uh day ever. So far. day ever. (laughs) That I can remember. That I can remember. <laughs> I don't know. There, there may have been, uh, there may still be some, some icy crystalline structures in my brain yet that haven't quite thawed from that <laughs> yeah. whole thing. So yeah. stay tuned, everyone. You know, best <laughs> thing to do is to tune in again tomorrow. See if anything is different. You know, yeah. with my brain. Yeah. There's one. You know, brain fog is one thing. Brain freeze. Yeah. Completely yeah. different. Yeah. And then there's the brain glacier. <laughs> which uh, has not it's only theoretical you know it hasn't been observed in the laboratory but i may have a brain glacier i'm not sure i'm not sure uh sharp as attack is craig turner fortunately sure. uh great sure. conversation with him there we started with kind of some of that uh the broader economy type stuff um but the dollar's kind of screwing everything up right now isn't it yeah it 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 kind of is and when you look at where we are uh, just over the last year, I'll just, well, I shouldn't say over, let's, let's go over the last six months, even, you know, we ran all the way up there and had highs up around one Oh seven, uh, just short of that, I guess, uh, for, well, no, we did in October of last year, we got up to one Oh seven all the way down on December 27th. We were at 100.99 on the dollar index and here we are already back up to 10341 today. Yeah. So that's quite a move. Mm-hmm. It's a 2000 mm-hmm. point move in the dollar in a short period of time and it's changing attitudes out there Davis. It it uh uh if if there was some concern among the shorts in the commodity world that they were going to have to step up and defend those short positions the dollar has taken a lot of pressure off of them at this point, and it's just made them more comfortable on the short side of the markets. Mm-hmm. Can you can you help us with an explanation for the strength in the dollar? Or not necessarily? I don't want to put you in a bad spot here. Well, I think it's got a lot to do with the idea of what's going on with interest rates. You know, mm-hmm. we were driving the dollar down on the idea that, that uh, dollar-denominated investments were going to be worth less not worthless, but worth Worth less in the future because of the lower interest rates. Um, But the idea now 
that steady for a longer period of time on interest rates mm-hmm. probably makes more sense than than even three interest rate cuts in the year ahead. Mm-hmm. I think that is is probably supporting the dollar as we go forward. You know, one of the things that we've talked about, um, you know, because Craig mentioned and you mentioned too, analysts thinking, oh, maybe there's four or five rate cuts coming up here. I mean, dude, we talked about ripping the Band-Aid off when they were, when before they even started talking about transitory inflation, we're like, just rip the Band-Aid off. Let's do yeah. what we need to do. Let's do the hard stuff. It's going to suck. It's going to be unpopular, but ultimately for the health of the general economy, it's what's needed here. Man, four or five little interest rate cuts feel more like death by a thousand paper cuts than supporting the the growth of the economy, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You you know, you bring up an interesting point there, Davis, because when I think about interest rates going down, Mm -hmm. I do think of a quarter or a half point at a time. I don't think in the, you know, on when, when the, when inflation was running hot, you know, nine, nine Mm -hmm. and a half, Mm -hmm. was the the highest on a monthly basis, 9.7, something like that, something like that. Uh, when it was running in that nine to 10% range, uh, my attitude was you, you got, you got to shoot it, load Mm -hmm. the gun and shoot it. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that was I wouldn't have minded a full point interest rate increase at some point along the line. Yeah. Big Uh, bullets. Big bullets. Exactly. Uh Exactly. Big caliber gun. And just, and that is ripping the bandaid off. But on the way down, unless your economy is just tanking and you've got to do something to put some confidence back into consumers to start spending again, if it gets that bad, then I can see talk of a half or a full point rate cut. But normally Mm -hmm. I would be, uh, I, I, I guess I'm in the camp of let's just ease this thing back quarter point at a time, but I hadn't given that much thought. I'm glad you you made me think it. Guy can have an awful good time with a box of twenty-two shells, <laughs> just plinking around. You plinking know? around. We're that's not trying right. to make any big holes here. We How just... about the seventeens? Now that's even better. That's, that's even a better. Fun little thing to yeah plink around with. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we've got time to get into all this fair value stuff or not, but man, that oh, made it was an awful lot of sense to me, dude. The wheat with the feed substitute, and as it grown yeah. and used for food, but holding up cord like the whole thing it was a great conversation yeah i thought so too and and uh you know a lot of a lot of kudos to craig for putting that list of things together that he wanted to talk about and and uh uh the fair mark the the fair value conversation it's uh it's one worth having no question i'm kind of excited about something right now oh Let's hear about it. Um, it's the National Weather Service 6 to 10 day outlook. I thought you might like this. Uh, boy, you want to talk about above normal temperatures. There's no place, mm-hmm. no place in the lower 48 
that is expected to see even normal temperatures January 23rd through the 27th. Yep. We are looking at above normal temperatures across the entire country and high odds of above normal temperatures in the middle of the in the in the Midwest. Above normal precipitation also expected across most of the Corn Belt. North Dakota, South Dakota would be the exception there where below normal precip is expected. Wow. Warm temperatures. Here they yeah, come. Baby. Yep. Yeah. They're on the way. All right. Thanks so much for listening today. Tomorrow, Representative Frank Lucas from Oklahoma. And we're also going to talk about Prop 12 impacts right here on Agritalk.